if you're like me, what you realize is most of the time your app only gets used to like 5% of its potential. Do you know what I mean? Like I have a lot of apps. I don't really know how to use them. So I use that little bit of it that I understand, that I know. Then there's those apps or those things inside the apps that completely screw the app up. Like the app was fine, and then they like, you know, the new download, and it comes back, and it's horrible. Like one of the things I don't understand on our phones is autocorrect. Right? How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you today have had an autocorrect problem? All right, I'm going to show you some. Get ready for these. I'm going to read them to you because for those of you in the back, you might not be able to see these real good. So I'm going to read them to you. Here's the first one. So how was your date last night, bro? Did you score? That's how us guys do, right? Did you score? Not quite. First date, we went to dinner and then walked her home. Then I killed her in the woods outside of her house and left. <laughs> Killing her, he says, seems a bit harsh. And then down at the bottom, he has all the stars and says, kissed, kissed. He meant kissed her in the woods. Why in the woods? I'm not sure about that one. Next one. One more or two more, one more after this. Okay, love you. You're my best friend, my rock, my knight, and my shining armpit. <laughs> and then here's the best part. Then she tries to fix it. Can you see that? OMG, armor. <laughs> he just put fail. Your great aunt, this is from mom, you see that? Your great aunt just passed away, LOL. He's like, why is that funny? It's not funny, David. What do you mean? LOL means laughing out loud. Oh, my goodness. I sent that to everyone. I thought it meant lots of love. That's bad. That's bad. Here's a good one. What if you're a son and you get this? Your mom and I are going to divorce next month. He's like, what? It, what she meant to say is, Disney, your mom and I are going to Disney next month. A little bit of a difference there. Here's a good one. Here's my favorite. I'm just going to let you read it. How's your day going? Awful. I have a bad case of the man boobs. OMG, the Mondays, not man boobs. Sorry, Greg, I had to share it, man. If you're like me, that is how your app career goes. Epic fail. So typically what I tend to do is, like I said, I use about 5% of what that app was actually created to do. It's a lot like what we do in our Christian walk. The last few weeks we've been talking about how simple it is to be a Christian, but how complex we have to make everything, including our Christian walk. And we talked about how what Jesus did was simple. He called us to follow him. He called us to believe in him. And then he called us to obey him. But we turn that into this big set list of rules that we expect not only each other to abide by, but we expect everybody outside of the church to abide by. And you make your friends based on those rules. And you determine whether or not you like people based on those rules. You determine whether or not you'll even talk to people based on those rules. And so before you know it, you become that very thing that you hate 
And that is the stuffy, obnoxious Christian in the room who nobody really wants to be around. And your lifestyle becomes an image in people's minds that they don't want to have anything to do with. Am I lying to you? Let me tell you why that is. Because you make it way too hard. You make it way too hard. And the simple instruction that Jesus said all the way back those years ago was this. Follow me. Believe in me. And obey me. Now, what's it take to obey? Application. Application is what it takes to obey. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of those things that Christ has instructed us to carry out. Some of those things that if we put those, if we apply those into our lives, they'll really change the focus, not just about what it is that we think we need to do, but they'll change the focus of who it is that we are and how we walk on this journey we call life. And those experiences that really weigh down on us and those hard and difficult times, and in most of us, how hard we chase to get everybody to approve of us Those type of things simply fall away. And we understand what it meant to live in a life that Christ expects us and has called us to live a life of discipleship. James chapter 1. If you got your phones, you can use your Bible app. James chapter 1. There's a few things that we're going to have to understand before we get started here. And the first thing is this, God wants to have a relationship with you beyond a superficial name on the back of my shirt. You with me? God wants to have a relationship with you beyond a superficial name on the back of my shirt, beyond the fact that I can walk around and call myself a Christian. Anybody can do that. Believe it or not, 75% of our country calls themselves Christians. And why is that? Because we have completely ignored what it really means to be a Christian. And so all I got to do is walk out in public and say, Christian. And therefore I am. But the truth of the matter is that name is so distorted. And people are so scared of that anymore that now people don't even call themselves that. Now real Christians become Christ followers. Right? I don't want to call myself a Christian anymore. Now I'm a Christ follower. Why? Because we've distorted what the whole thing is about. What God is saying is, listen, I want to love you. I want to love you, and I want you to love me. That's it. I want to love you and be with you and be a part of your life and help you and teach you and instruct you, and I want you to listen to me and understand that if you do, life's going to be good. But what we envision is handcuffs, right? We talk about church. We talk about the Christian faith. We think handcuffs. But what God is saying is, I want to give you something more than that. So the first thing we got to understand is the way that God interacts with you is a father-son, is a loving relationship. I grew up for a lot of years of my childhood in Louisiana and Texas. I'm going to tell you the difference between Ohio and Louisiana. In Ohio, if as a kid you go out and do something bad, you're afraid that when you get home, your mom or most likely your dad is going to beat you, right? In Louisiana, if you go outside and do something bad, you're afraid that everyone will beat you. Why is that? Because they do. Right? 
The woman down the street that you've never seen before in your life will chase you with a switch. We said this in our service this morning. How many of you have actually been hit by a switch? Yeah. It ain't fun. I still have lines from past switches. I had an old lady one time. I had an old lady one time tell me, Brad, go get a switch. I went and picked a switch. I came back. You know what she said to me? Son, if you don't go get a switch, I'll hit you twice. I went and got a switch. And she still hit me twice. But here's the point. We now are so worried and concerned to help anybody raise their child that we, we get into this mode where we just kind of keep to ourselves and keep, keep to our own lives. And so when we see somebody doing something that's incorrect, we see a child, I'm not going to correct them because quite honestly, I don't want to get sued. I don't want something stupid to happen to me. I'm going to get thrown in jail if I just tell the kid that he's behaving badly. So we have all these fears and all these concerns. And, and what happens is we, we tend to even now do that in our own families. And so I tell my son that I love him, but I never correct him. Or I tell my son that I love him, but when he behaves badly or does something poorly, I blame everybody else. It's, it's got to be everybody else's fault. It's the same way we live our relationship with God. It's the same father-son experience. Because, see, we translate everything in our real life to our relationship with God. A lot of you think of God this morning the same way that you think of your fathers. Or if you didn't have a father, you can't understand God. And so there's a lot of complexities that are in there. But the truth of the moment is this. God is saying to you that I do love you enough that when you go out and live life, I want to give you some applications that you can apply to the way you live your life so that your life experience is better. Do you understand? It's really not about handcuffing you and making sure you do the right things or you can't wear my name on your back. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with you experiencing life in a more positive way. Listen, when you've got God on your side, Scripture tells us there's nothing that can defeat you. That alone will allow you to live life in a different way because most of us make our decisions not based on the strength that God provides, but based on the fear that's in our hearts. Most of our decisions come out of fear. What's the most effective way I can get something done so that I don't look like an idiot? Are you with me? This is true, people. What's the most effective way I can get something done so that I don't look like a moron? So I don't fail. Oh, God forbid I fail. But yet most of us are where we are today because we failed, right? We experience strength because we fail. What God's saying is, listen, I'm going to give you applications because I love you. I'm going to give you things that if you set forward in your life and you understand what's real from what's false, you understand what will really affect your life from what's just stupid Christians telling you not to behave badly, right? You understand those applications that I'm going to apply to you, and if you take those and do what we're going to talk about in James, you will experience life in a way that will rattle anybody who's around you. James chapter 1. Verse 22 says this. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you're anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. How many of you think that going to church makes you a better person? 
good class, we're on the right road. <laughs> right? How many of you think that if you show up at your weekly small group, you got things going on? Sam, you got to be the one. Right? Here's the point. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Some of that false instruction that I talk about that gets passed down from generation to generation and becomes tradition, and isn't that a funny word that Jesus came to abolish tradition? Do you remember that? And to really set things in order? This is one of those things that I think today Jesus would really set in order, and that's this. If you come to church every Sunday and you put your money in that little box over there, then guess what? You're going to be with me in heaven. Right? If you show up at your small group every single week and you feel cozy and warm as you walk out that door every single week, then guess what? You've got it going on. But then what happens? You see, those of us who do that and we live our life that way and we experience God that way, he's, a, he's an every Sunday God or he's an every Sunday and maybe on Thursday afternoon God, then when we really hit a rocky road, we hit a storm, we hit a flood, we hit some real rough winds in our life, our finances shake, our marriage is in trouble, our kids won't listen to us, something really tragic happens in our lives, what happens? We fall down, not on our knees, we fall down on our butts. And we say, God... where are you? You promised me in Scripture. You said all these things would come true. Well, what's happened? You've lived a Christian lifestyle where everything that you heard has gone in one ear, and like James said, right out the other. Because you've thought for the longest time that it's good enough just to listen. But you haven't even really listened. Right? Let's keep going. Verse 23 and 24. Act, we're going to change act on to apply. Apply what you hear. Those who hear and don't apply are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. I'm going to tell you a a little story real quickly here. I, I am a man. I can, I can throw things at this row over here. And I don't know why you laughed at that. I really am a man. <clears throat> and, and what happens is in times in crisis, I want to do things, right? I can remember, I see vivid images in my head of moments, you know, in, in 9-11 of firefighters and police officers and paramedics running towards those buildings while everybody else is running away. I want to say in my mind that I would be one of those guys that would run toward the building, right? I've, I've watched cops. I've seen those shows, right? I've seen the police officers that run and tackle, drag guys down, put them in headlocks, cuff them. You know, I'm sitting and I'm thinking, I can do those things. You know, I, I, I can do that. You know, I want to be that guy. I want to be the hero. My friend Kelly is a hero, I want to be one of those. He's a firefighter. And I say to myself, yeah, I wonder if Kelly just let me try on the suit. <laughs> of course, with, if I put on Kelly's suit, it'd be like here and it'd be like, yeah, wouldn't be good. But the point is, I want to be that guy. Now, I had a moment, y'all. I had a moment. And what happened was my wife and I were out to eat at the Fairfield Commons Mall this yesterday. Friday. We're at the Fairfield Commons Mall. And <clears throat> if y'all, do y'all know the second floor moves? 
at the Fairfield Commons Mall. So we're on the second floor of the Fairfield Commons Mall. We're eating at a table. And we hear this huge boom. And the floor moves. And I immediately think, we're going to die. <laughs> right? Now, the truth of what happened is, a guy behind us passed out and hit the floor. And it was so hard that it shook the floor we were sitting. I mean, I moved. <clears throat> and so, first, that disturbed me, because I thought, that's all it takes. <laughs> but second, I thought to myself, I can either fight or fly, right? Those are the two reactions. I can stay here and turn around and do what it is I know how to do, which would basically, you know, tap the guy on the head and be like, are you feeling okay? That's really all I know how to do. I'm a pastor, okay? I mean, I can read him scripture, but I don't know how that's helping. So, <clears throat> anyways... So I, I, this is literally what I do. I'm sitting at my table. I'm eating, right? I hear boom. I, I turn around and I do this. Ah! That's as far as I got because somewhere in my mind I froze. Now my wife, as concerned as she was, did exactly this, right? She went from eating, boom. She just kept on eating. Like nothing happened. I'm looking, I'm like, so, of course, you get, you know, all the paramedics and the nurses that are just there to eat. You know, they start, they run, they run, they know what to do. They run to the emergency and they're screaming, idiots, remove yourselves. We are here now. And so that's what happens. I mean, literally, the first guy, the guy starts to wake up and get up. And this lady screams, hold him down. And this guy jumps and pins the dude to the ground. And I'm thinking in my mind, this can't be the right thing to do. And so finally this nurse is like, get off of him or he will whoop you because he has no idea where he is. So anyway, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. So anyway, what happens is you have a brief moment where you decide for yourself whether or not you're going to do something. And typically what happens is we look into the mirror and we see someone in ourselves. I see a hero. In reality, what I am is strange guy who freezes. <laughs> right? I will always be the guy, if, if some news guy was there and took a picture of the moment, there would be like people sweating and blood and surgery happening on the floor of the mall. And I'm the guy blurry in the background going because I have no clue what I'm doing. Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, we all get that way. Because in the midst of crisis, in the midst of trouble, when things happen in our families, things happen in our lives, what happens when that foundation begins to shake and all of a sudden there's a crisis and you've got to move, you've got to do something? Typically what we tend to do is stand up from our tables and go, oh, right? And the wind continues to blow, and our foundation is completely blown away. And we say to ourselves, God, where were you? Or God answered no this time. Or God didn't allow it. 
When the truth of the matter is, I don't know how many times I can hear it in my own head all the time when I pray those prayers, God is saying, Brad, I gave you the tools for that moment years ago. (laughs) You've just never applied them. You've just decided that you're going to apply your own law. You're going to live your own way. And guess what happens in difficult moments? You get your life, not mine. You get what you've laid out before you, not what I lay out before you. You get what you do in crisis, not what I can do with crisis. So when you see scriptures like this and say, apply what you hear, act on what you hear, those who act, those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror and walk away two minutes later. They have no idea who they are and what they look like. It's exactly what I'm talking about here. I look in the mirror and I see a man who can stand firm, but I turn around and I walk away and I completely forget that guy and I become who it is I really am. Let's continue. Verse 25. Let's look at the beginning of it. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, the free life. You see, Scripture calls our experience with Jesus multiple times. Freedom, or free, or fresh air, or like a breath, or like a blowing breeze. Do you know why I calls it that? Because Jesus is supposed to enlighten. Jesus is supposed to take off loads Jesus brings freedom. Now, what do we think Jesus brings? Let's be honest. Handcuffs, right? Because church means all of a sudden I got a whole new set list of stuff I can't do anymore. And I like doing those things. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of those things I like. I like having a beer when I watch football, right? I, I like having a cigarette outside. I like doing all these things that if I do those things around my Christian friends and all of a sudden they exile me, Or they turn their back on me, or they say, well, you're not the man I thought you were. You're nothing like me. Right? Most of the time, we're like, thank God. (laughs) Here are some of the things that my daddy taught me. And I'm going to see if you can relate some of these things, because maybe you're the same way. Now, I was blessed. I have a great dad. And I know in a lot of our families today, we don't have that. Matter of fact, we're getting close to the majority of children born today will never experience a loving father. So I'm blessed because I had one. I had a dad who cared. And he would teach me things like this. He taught me to give, save, and live. Give, save, and live. He would say, Brad, give what you got, man. You don't need it. You can always get more. And, and I have, hopefully, become a man who understands that and gets that, that, listen, man, you, you really like my shirt, and you need my shirt, and you want my shirt, I'll give you my shirt, because I've got to be honest with you, it's a shirt. You know what I mean? It's a shirt. A shirt's a simple thing to put in there, but you can insert anything in your life that you want to. Give, save, and live. But to me, when I was a kid, you know what that felt like? It felt like handcuffs. Give what it took me so hard to get? No. Save when I can spend? No. Mm -mm. Live free? (laughs) No. No, thank you. You take your hippie juice and you go in the corner. (laughs) How about this? How about this? As an early adult, before I got married, my dad would tell me, Brad, be sexually pure. Be sexually pure. Understand what you're putting in your eye sockets. 
becomes knowledge in your brain. Understand that that fake imagery of what love is or what passion is or whatever they tell you, that's what your sex life should be like or all that other stuff. Understand that is fake and that is garbage and has nothing to do with what God wants you to experience in your marriage. My dad would tell me that stuff. You know what that sounded like to me? Handcuffs. Because you know what I wanted to do? Make out, touch boobies. I'm not lying. (laughs) Number three. My dad used to tell me this. Kids, Jesse, cover your ears, man. Don't listen to Pastor Brad. Listen to this. My dad would tell me this. Brad, listen to your elders. Listen to the people that are older than you. Because they can feed into your life, Brad. Understand this, that people who are older than you are really not trying to condemn you all the time. And when they tell you they hate your church and they hate your music and they hate your clothes and they hate your hair and take all them things out of your face and wherever else you have them, right, what they're really trying to tell you is this, I care. You don't have to listen. You don't have to do what they say. But know this, you have a lot of spiritual people who are elders of yours, that we completely ignore. And we cast aside because they're old and they're fogies. And truthfully, I like doing church different than they like doing church, so I don't really want to listen to them. What my dad taught me from very early ages, Brad, listen to your authority. Do what they tell you to do. You know what that felt like to me? Handcuffs. Finally, my dad used to tell me, Brad, you got to forgive. Forgive everything. Because if you don't learn how to forgive, you will carry with you anchors for the rest of your life. And you will never be able to experience the freedom that God has in store for you. If you don't learn how to forgive, you will never know what it means to be forgiven. Here's the hard part about that. I would say, Dad, do you have any idea what that idiot has done to me? I don't want to forgive. I want to run them over with my car. Right? But let me tell you what happens. Spiritually speaking, you consistently get run over. You will never know what it means to be forgiven by Christ if you don't know what it means to forgive. That's a huge lesson that I I would have listened to, I, I wish I would have listened to 20 years ago. But I didn't. You know why? Because it felt like handcuffs. There's a lot in our life that God wants you to experience. But do you know what he says to you? He says, man, listen, I love you like my son. Matter of fact, I love you so much that I have killed my son for you. And I did it because of one simple reason. I want you to live life with me. And I want you to understand that there's a few things that I'm going to ask you to do. Some applications that I want you to apply into your life. That if you listen to those things and you do those things, you will experience life on a level that's unbelievable. And you know what I'm going to call it? Freedom. Freedom. No longer are you handcuffed to the expectations of everybody around you. No longer are you handcuffed to your own expectations of where you think your power and your love and your money should be coming from right now. And what level on a social scale you need to be at. No longer are you handcuffed to the false expectations of the church. Now you can experience and live and understand freedom. 
Allow me to open up a space in you and to guide you. But here's what you got to do. You have to apply. You have to apply. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of those things that we have to apply. Some of those things that if we add them to the foundation of our life, when those storms come, when that rain comes, when that wind blows, we will be able to stand firm. We will be able to say, not God, where were you, but understand that years ago God had a plan and a purpose and applications for you to put into your life that when that wind blew, guess what didn't happen to you? You didn't notice it. You didn't even notice it. What used to blow you down and cast you aside now doesn't even phase you. Why? Because you have applied things in your life that those things are no longer important to you. You don't even see them anymore. You don't recognize them anymore. And your life is different. Why? Because you are different. Not what you do is different. You are different. Because you've applied things spiritually in your walk. Will you stand with me? I want to read you a quote, and, and we're going to close with this. Lane Jones says, unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. You can have a dirty wall in your life. Your wall can be that dirty life, and you can carry around with you a gallon of white paint everywhere you go, and you can tell that dirty wall every time you see it, hey, I got this nice big gallon of white paint. But the truth of the matter is the dirty wall will always be dirty until you take that paint and you apply that paint. The scripture is the same way. The things that God has called you to do will not be able to do anything in your life if you don't apply those things, if you don't put those things on you, if you don't wear those things, and those things become a part of who you are, not just the thing that you do, but the part of who you are. You change those things about you that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. And for all of us, they're different. They're all different. Some of you do have daddy issues. And you're going to have to learn how to forgive. Some of you have mommy issues. Some of you have people in your past that scarred you because they called you something or said something about you. And your life has literally changed. Some of you have been abused. I'm going to tell you right now. If statistics are true, a third of us in this room have been abused. Ladies, your number is much higher. Try forgiving that on your own without applied truth in your heart. Try changing your life when that's happened to you. Some of you have financial crisis right now. Some of you have been looking for jobs for a very long time, and they're just not finding their way to you. I don't know what your experience is, but I know this. We don't all walk through the thank you Jesus doors and magically become okay, even though we like to say we do. The truth is we're all going through something, and I want to give you some more truth. God wants to be there with you. God wants to walk it with you. He's giving you the tools to get through it. He's asking you to apply them. It's a good thing about our God. Freedom means he doesn't force you. You have to make the decision. Will you pray with me? Father God, I pray at this moment 
God, there may be some of us in this room right now that you are already telling our hearts what it is that we need to change, what it is that we need to let go of. Father, what it is that we need to give to you wholly and completely. And so, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that you show us those things and that you give us the strength to release those to you. I pray, Father, if there's anyone in this room right now who needs to confess, that in this moment right now, God, they'll begin to confess to you things in their life that they just want you to take so they can begin to build that foundation, a foundation based on truth and not lies, a foundation based on your love. It's my Father. And Father, may you receive all the glory. May you receive, Father, all the praise for what happens in this place. Father, we love you. We worship you. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.